How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Welcome to the Munganas St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Here's the pitch. A swing and a high fly ball. This could be trouble. It's at the wall. And it's a gunner. He scores! Now, sports on a Sunday morning on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back to the show. Tom Ackerman with you, hour number two. And what a treat to be joined by our next guest. He is with us from Columbia, Missouri, the head coach of the Missouri Tigers, the University of Missouri basketball team gearing up for another season. And Conzo Martin is along with us live at 11.05. How are you, coach? Hey, Tom. How you doing? Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. Great to hear your voice. Always good to catch up with you. I wanted to ask you first, uh, yeah, I'm going to have Barry Odom on right after you. That's tough. I mean, that another tough loss for them. What sort of words of encouragement, if you were to cross paths with him in the hallway, which you do from time to time, would you say to any coach, for that matter, uh, as you've dealt with some tough losses yourself? Oh, continue doing what you're doing. Because what happened uh, is the reason why they were successful early. You had a couple bumps in a row, true road games. Stuff happens. Uh, so your quarterback you know, goes out. Part of the game. Continue doing what you're doing. He's a, he's a very intelligent man, a wonderful man, and they're doing a great job, in my opinion. Tough road loss. We all understand that, but and they'll bounce back. They'll get back on track. You've coached uh, several programs, and you are in control of this Missouri team that has been through its ups and downs, too. But I, I have this feeling, just being around your team, and I was in town over the summer and visited with a whole bunch of your players that there's a togetherness that I think you've tried to develop over these last few years. That's kind of been your goal, hasn't it, is to get a group that plays together over a course of time. I think so. I think when, you, when you're talking about having a good team and a quality program and, and, and building the culture and the foundation of what, you, what you're about, I think you have to have camaraderie amongst each other. As teammates, you have to be able to get along with each other. You have to have tough conversations amongst each other. You know, the things we try to do, we try, we try to take it a step further, meaning, uh, you know, oftentimes you hear a lot of programs at all levels say, you know, we're brothers, we're families, on the women's side, I'm assuming we're sisters, whatever it is. And for our guys, I say, you always say we're brothers and we're family. What does that really mean? And I say now, and then I'll say to one guy, do you know that guy's grandmother next to you? Now, you know the initial family that comes to the game, but, but, but do you know his, his little brother had cancer when he was 14? So all those things, so we try to get to the grassroots level and building true, genuine relationships amongst our players and, and have them get to know each other. Because oftentimes, and what I learned when I was a college athlete, those, those guys that I spent most times 10, 11 months out of the year with for four-plus years, they become my true brothers. Even to this day, we, we have a text line that my teammates is like 15 of us, and we talk all the time. I love those text lines. I have some with my buddies, too. I'm not sure that I'd want everybody to, to look at it, but, but, uh, but it's awesome. I love it. And these are guys that, like you said, you know, either former teammates or high school buddies. Uh, I have another one with some college friends, but that that's so true. And we know everything. about. actually it becomes therapeutic to be able to be on that text line sometimes, doesn't it? 
It is. And I have, and you mentioned high school. We have guys, high school guys I grew up with, and then we also have my college teammates. So I, and what happens, you get stories, stuff you, you tried to forget, or stuff you, man, I couldn't remember that. And all of a sudden, somebody brings something up. And we, we had some tremendous stories. We had a lot of success on, on, on my high school teams as well as my college teams. And But we also now you're in a stage where guys have children. Some have grandchildren. And you talk through those things. Like like Glenn Robinson was my college teammate. His son is a starting small four for the Golden State Warriors. So, And then we're excited to see him play because I was there when he was born. You know, just those are, those are the true blessings, in my opinion, when it's all said and done. Yeah, it's kind of like when you look back, whether you're playing for Barry Odom at the University of Missouri on the football side or basketball side or any sport, you want to remember those four years as being something memorable, but it will last a lifetime. You want to make the most of your time wearing that Missouri on your chest, don't you? I think so. The thing is, is just, you know, the sports is such a high level. And I think we lose sight of the relationships. I came to school not only to play a sport, but ultimately to get a degree and have a successful career in life. And, and I think we lose sight of it because we look at the school, oh, man, like it's the end of the world. No, it's not. It's just a pitch stop in the big scheme of things. And, and I know every fan wants their teams and programs to be very successful. And that's understood. But, man, in the big scheme of life, that's a small percentage of what you'll truly experience in life if you value that whole college experience. And I think – you go back to Barry Odom, he's such a tremendous teacher and a man. They teach so many valuable lessons. And so, no, I, I said to our players all the time, and I assume Barry's doing the same, you look at the scoreboard, whatever the outcome, you're still winning in life if you continue to do the right things and hold yourself accountable to have integrity, to, to be grateful for this tremendous opportunity and have a level of humility in the process. This is Conzo Martin, the head coach of the Tigers, with us. His team takes the floor for the first time on Friday. They will play Central Missouri in an exhibition. 7 o'clock tip-off at Mizzou Arena. Go see him. You're going to see a really good player. You're going to see a lot of good players. But a really good player wearing the uniform for the first time in Drew Smith. He's awfully good, isn't he, Coach? He's a good player. You know, and I think some probably seen him at Evansville if you watch the Missouri Valley basketball. Uh, but a good all-around basketball player. I mean, and I think what makes him him good, he wants to win. And I think sometimes we take that for granted because we think there's a scoreboard. Not everybody truly wants to win the game because when you want to win, I'll do everything necessary for my team to win. I think he wants to be that, and he exudes that level of energy and passion. But he's also a good basketball player. He plays. He tries to play hard on both ends of the floor. He's committed to his team, and I think that's what makes him good. Yeah, he is good. I think you have a lot of good guards, that's for sure, but I I would think you would agree with me here is that this success of this team is going to revolve around Jeremiah Tillman and his continued growth. What must he do here in 2019-2020 to continue to ascend? I, I think he's grown every year as a basketball player. Uh, I, I think the biggest thing with Jeremiah, and, and I, I've said it in all type of interviews, is when adversity hits or, or a situation that he perceives as adversity, a, a bad call of a guy playing a physical game and Jeremiah gets physical back and they call a foul on Jeremiah and how he responds to those situations. If he responds to those situations in a normal manner and moves on, then he's the best big guy in his conference, in my opinion. If he allows that to erode his mind and slows him down, then he'll be on a roller coaster throughout the season. I think that's it because his skill is a skill. Like like I say, he's making three point shots now. He's shooting them and he's making them. So he, so his game is he's passing the ball. He's he's doing a lot of great things on the floor. That's that's for me. That's not the issue as far as his talent and what he brings to the table. It's the other part in understanding how to deal with those situations. 
I'm looking forward to seeing it. And then, you know, we'll have to wait a year plus for it. But my gosh, having Kansas, what a pleasant email <laughs> that was to see that you had renewed the series with Kansas. How did that come about? Well, I think I think all the credit, uh, well, fifty percent of credit, in my opinion, goes to Jeff Stark and the other fifty to Kansas to make it happen because both parties obviously have to agree upon it. But but I thought I thought Jim Stark uh, from the time I got here was adamant about trying to get that to happen, and he was consistent with it and, and he made it happen. So all the credit to Jim, no question, and, and his team as well. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, isn't it? I I'll tell you, I told you. And you know this, that I went to Indiana University, and that was like my four-year basketball education. I really became, I felt like more of a basketball person after that, even though I grew up playing the game. IU took it to another level for me. But make no mistake about it, my love of the game came from the Mizzou-KU rivalry. Being around it, I think this is really good for college basketball, and especially for Missouri. You need these great rivalries, don't you? I think so. And I think when you're talking about Big Eight, Big Twelve, now you're in the SEC and to play to have a section series, and obviously all goes well. I think that'll continue because that's one of those games, of course, like the bragging rights game against Illinois. The Midwest and the country look forward to games like that because of the history of basketball, uh, and, and those games kind of revolve around the history and success of basketball. You look at a 30-plus year period of the bragging rights game against Illinois, all the great players. Now you look at the series against Kansas, all the years, a lot of great players that come through there. So I think as fans, you know, especially the Midwest, we all look forward to those games. Yeah, it's going to be great. December 12th, 2020, for those who didn't see the news last week, is the first game. It'll be at the Sprint Center in Kansas City. Then they go to Allen Fieldhouse, one of the great buildings in college basketball the following year. Then they'll trade off Mizzou Arena, which certainly can be one of the great environments. After that, back to Allen, back to Mizzou Arena, and they'll wrap it up a six-year deal at the Sprint Center in 2025. Coach, great to have you on KMOX. I love visiting with you. Looking forward to catching up with you throughout the season, and all the best as you get started here on November 1st. Thanks, Tom. Thank you for having me. Great to have you on. Conzo Martin, the head coach of the Missouri Tigers. We'll take a break. We'll go to another coach. That's Barry Odom. He is standing by back in a moment. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. Welcome back to the Munkadass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munkadass pre-owned on South Limburg on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. Our thanks to Conzo Martin for joining us. And we flip over to another sports office at the University of Missouri, and that's the football coach, Barry Odom. His team lost last night to Kentucky 29-7. Coach, great to have you on as always. I know that this is back-to-back weeks now talking about a tough road loss, which I'm sure doesn't sit well with you again. Hey, Tom. Uh, thanks for having me on. No, it's, just, it's frustrating, and you know I know it's frustrating for everybody. Uh, but I'm, I'm at the top of that list. So we, we, uh, didn't do anything really well enough last night to win a, a game against what I think is a good Kentucky team. Uh, I think they're going to win here down the stretch. They're built for that in the right way. And in the way they're playing, uh, they're getting healthy and, uh, they've got an explosive playmaker on offense that makes them hard to defend. But regardless, it's not about them, about us. We didn't, we didn't play well enough. Uh, couldn't find ways to, to run the ball effectively ever, not, not at the start, you know, during the middle or, or when we really, really needed it. And then defensively gave up too many explosive plays in the run game and have a chance. So, uh, credit to them on the way that they played and, and, uh, the way they performed. And 
well, we, we need to hit the reset button a little bit here with our bye week and uh, understand that the importance of trying to make a run in November, uh, you know, there's still a lot of things out in front of us if we'll go do it. And, but also the fine line of, you know, the margin of error is, is zero. You know, we've got to, we've got to perform a lot better. We've got to go execute. And uh, so we've got work to do and the urgency and the time to get it done is obviously the, the here and the now. And we, you do have Georgia and Florida on the schedule, as you alluded to, after the bye week. And you know, those are like two games that have been circled all year. The The truth is you have to circle every game, don't you? And, and here you are with Vanderbilt and Kentucky with back-to-back losses on the road. Is it the road? I, You know, there's so many things here. That, and I've heard a lot of people say, you know, it's hard to put a finger on it. And that's because there are a lot of things. Uh, let's start with the road. Is there something about going on the road now having lost Wyoming, Vanderbilt, and Kentucky? Does does that well, have any? Yeah, I, I think you look at it, and you know, if, if I just minimize that and say, no, it's not the road, you know, then then that's that's short sighted on my part. I think we've got to look at everything, and you know, we have not played well uh, in any area. Our three road games, so so obviously there's something there. Um, I've got to find a way to get that part of it fixed because, you know, we're back out on the road the first weekend, you know, or, or the next time out and, uh, going to Athens and then we're on the road at the, at the, the last game of the year at Arkansas. So, you know, we've, we've got to see, you know, the reasons why, you know, I've looked at it a number and a million different ways. And, um, other than, you know, everything is aligned up schedule wise, it looks, you know, the way that it should. And I, I think our guys have responded uh, to the things that, that go on during the travel day or travel uh, 48 hour period of time, but we haven't played well. And, I, you know, there's some uncharacteristic things that we've done on the field of play when, uh, you know, the execution part of it has been very good. So we got to figure that out, obviously. The run game, what is the key to the run game? Why was Kentucky so successful doing it and you weren't? Yeah, I think you look at what. Uh, they had the the quarterback on for Kentucky Bowden, number one, is such an explosive player. And we did some things to try to eliminate that. We we missed some opportunities in one on one tackling opportunities. He made 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 guys miss. And then also schematically they did such a great job on getting a really good double team push on our four technique and then being able to climb up to the to the linebacker and just kind of washing him by. So we didn't get enough presence on the line of scrimmage to create or take away some of the run run lanes at times. There are times that we fit it up perfect, um, but then other times, you know, a small gap here or there, and, and he found it and exposed it. So uh, we've got to be better. And, uh, you know, and then on the other side of the ball, I thought that on the line of scrimmage, for the most part, their defensive line won at the point of attack. And, uh, you know, that's not uh, – Anything that that you like hearing said out loud, uh, but you admit what you know and look at what what the issues were, and a lot of times that that was the breakdown, and you know that the the opportunity for us to fix that uh, we we can, but we've got to go do it. You know, we're kind of getting tired about well, we've got to block better, we've got to run better, we've got to do this better, uh, we've got to coach better. Well, everybody's tired of hearing that, including myself. So we got to find ways. You know, we're in a uh, a business that that you better you, you better fix your problems, so they're going to get exposed again. So you know, we've got an opportunity to go back to work and try to find a way to get that done. 
And sometimes the uh, honesty like that is the best way to repair things. And we certainly appreciate you being so upfront and honest right here on the radio. The, the ball security. And actually, before that, it's the protection. <clears throat> you know, Kelly Bryant, You could we could sit here and judge Kelly Bryant as a player and say that wasn't good enough. But also, if he's under duress... That's not good enough either. It just kind of it, – it's sometimes well, hard to um, analyze a quarterback yeah. when he's running. Yeah, it all goes together. You know, it's got 11, 11 pieces that have got to be – they've got to be on point, dialed in, and, and uh, you know, they've all got to be assignment sound, and it, including the, the play caller. And if we're not, then those breakdowns, they compound. And then, you know, you get a little bit of momentum going, and you, you kill yourself with the – uh, um, you know the drive with a with a penalty, and you know just that's that's uh, a recipe for for not being uh, very successful. And we've we've obviously uh, done enough of that on on some of the things with the penalties that have either stopped the drives or or killed the momentum. And uh, that that's that those things are tough to overcome, especially on the road. How are you doing injury-wise coming out of this one? As much as you can tell us, I know you'll give an official yeah, statement think, tomorrow. Yeah, we've got, uh, I think, at you know, whatever it is, week nine or uh, going into week nine of the season with the, with the bye weeks, we're, we're probably about as healthy as anybody else is in the country. I mean, Kelly went out with a hamstring yesterday early. Uh, you know, he actually strained it early, and he kept, kept trying to battle through it, um, but then uh, ended up, you know, that was the change there. But other than that, I think we got out of it fairly healthy. Well, yeah, James, can you play this for us? This is Conzo Martin. I asked him, this is the first question I asked him. He was on the segment before you about if he were to cross paths with you in the hallway after a tough loss like that, what would he say? How would he lift you? Here's what he said. Oh, continue doing what you're doing. Because what happened uh, it, it was the reason why they were successful early. You had a couple bumps in a row, true road games. Stuff happens. Uh, so your quarterback, you know, goes out. Part of the game, continue doing what you're doing. He's a, he's a very intelligent man, uh, a wonderful man, and they're doing a great job, in my opinion. Tough road loss. We all understand that, but and they'll bounce back. They'll get back on track. That's Conzo Martin just a little while ago. What do you think hearing that? Well, he's, uh, you know, we're in this deal together, not just football or basketball. It's it's Mizzou together, and we've got a really, really lot of great people that are here that are invested in Missouri, and they're invested in uh, our student-athlete and the experiences that they have in their career here. And uh, Conzo is good as he is as good of a person as I've ever been around. I'm, I'm happy we get the opportunity to work together. Because you have a family inside, right? And now you've got to come together with everything that's going on the outside, media, uh, outside influences, fans that are not happy. You have to be able to, to keep it uh, indoors, at, uh, inside as much as possible, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you, you are the voice and the control of the noise between your ears, and that, that's never going to change, whether you're being told how good you are or how, how, how bad you are. Uh, you control that. And, you know, this is not the first time that I've been through some adversity in my life uh, or this team, and this won't be the last time. So our focus is making sure that we do everything that we can to become a better football team. And that's in all areas of of our life. And if we do those, we're going to get back on track. And, uh, you know, they're they're going to get when they show up today, later on this afternoon. uh, We're going to have a great Sunday and we're going to find ways to get uh, better in every area, and we're going to keep pushing until we get there.
That's Barry Odom. Always takes the time to join us. We appreciate it very much. All the best to you moving forward. We'll catch up with you soon. All right. Thanks, Tom. Have a great week. Thank you. Barry Odom, the coach of the Tigers. Tough loss for them, 29-7 to Kentucky yesterday. We'll take a timeout, and my gosh, are the teams starting to make a move? Let's analyze in college football some of the teams that are starting to make themselves into serious contenders. One of them way off the radar is 8-0. Are they for real? Mike Grimm, the former KMOXer, the voice of the Minnesota Golden Gophers, will break down the Big Ten for us. Minnesota's 8-0. and Back in a moment on KMOX. Welcome back to the Munganass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munganass St. Louis Honda on South Limburg. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back. It's 1131. James O'Sullivan is our producer. Tom Ackerman with you. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. Oh, the sun's out. Beautiful day here downtown in St. Louis. It's going to be a great day. And joining us is a man I know who's having a good day because he's the voice of the Golden Gophers, and they are on fire right now. They're 8-0. And Mike Grimm, the former Camelaxer, used to sit in this very studio, actually a different building, but used to sit and uh, do this show from time to time. How are you, Grimmer? I'm doing great, Tom. Uh, good to chat with you. Yes, uh, you know, sports on a Sunday is uh, such a big uh, part of St. Louis. You think back to, um, you know, just seriously, I'm, I'm serious about this. Being on this show, I think I did guest host a few times when when the great Ron Jacober was uh, needing a day off or on vacation. But, um, man, I know it's gone from Ron to Mike Kelly and now to you. Uh, it's, it's in great hands, and I'm, I'm, I'm honored to be on. Oh, it's great to have you on, and I enjoyed many times spending time with you in the studio and the sports office having a good time. You know who we had on last hour? Charlie Slows, the the former oh, Camo wow, Xer yeah. himself, the voice of the Nationals. We, we're all over the place, yeah, he, these Camo X people. He's having a pretty good fall, too, it sounds like. <laughs> yes, he is. How about your <laughs> Gophers? What in the world? 8-0. P.J. Fleck has his team flying right now. How are they so good? And and they just dropped the hammer yesterday on another opponent. Minnesota beat Maryland and beat them up good, 52-10. to What's going on with the Gophers? Yeah, you know, they have they started kind of a turnaround a year ago. The middle portion of last year was was not good at all. They gave up 40 plus four straight games and uh, they made a change at defensive coordinator mid-season which, you know, that does not happen very often in college athletics, but it just got to the point where they needed to do something. Um that said, through most of that rough patch, there was that the, the, you could tell that the roster uh, had been upgraded. Uh, talent level was high. There are some kids from the St. Louis area on this team that are contributing. Um, there's some young kids, some freshmen right now that are sitting out waiting their turn, and the coaches are thrilled and excited about uh, about those guys too. So they, they have hit St. Louis a little bit. But you could tell the talent level was increasing, and they, they got a win last year about this time against Purdue, and that was just a couple weeks after Purdue had beaten Ohio State. Remember that big upset and sometimes that's all it takes, just to get that one taste of victory. If you have some talent, you just need to mentally change. And then they got Wisconsin, beat them for the first time in a while, won the bowl game against Georgia Tech. They haven't lost since. They, they, they've won 10 straight dating back to last year, so 8-0 this year plus the final two last year. They're, they're, they're like 12-1 uh, and in their last 13 games. And um, I'll be honest, if you'd ask me, after the fighting line, I beat them last year like 55-16 to 16 in Champaign if, if – uh, uh, on this day, you know, whatever this is, heading into Halloween, 
that the Gophers would go on to win, you know, 11 of their next 13, I'd have said, I don't think so. But uh, they have, so here we are. Yeah, I really like your coach, and I thought that P.J. could turn it around. I didn't think it would happen this fast, but he just has an energy and infectious quality about him that I think everybody is drawn to. What, what do you see in him? Well, he, he here's the thing. I think as the more now this is his third year, and the more I see what is happening, um, I can think, specifically to going back and thinking of specific things that he did in year one where I was, I, I would think to myself like, man, that's a little bizarre. Um, and I, and he's admits it. He's like, mm-hmm. Hey, I'm not like everyone. I'm not for everyone. Not everyone's going to like me, but this is, this is how I want to implement my vision to the program. And it's funny because now they'll, they'll, something will happen or something goes on and I'll be like, Oh, that's why he did that back in year one. Oh, this is why he did this in year two. Uh, that's part of what this is about. Now this is all making sense, and it's it's pretty amazing. He's a young coach, but um, and, and he's a kid. I mean, it's fun. I mean, he makes practice fun. Uh, the kids love him. The players love him. Um, so he's a kid at heart. But I've not seen a guy this young um, and 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 that that is is still like a kid a little bit in some ways. That is so mature in his vision and his command of. Um, uh, of what he demands of his team, like like there is no doubt who's in charge. He's a, he's a powerful personality, but he he uh, frames it in a way that it, you know the old cliche: these guys want to run through walls for this guy, and it, it's it's been fun to watch. There's no doubt about it. Here are the undefeated teams in the top twenty-five: Alabama, LSU, Ohio State, Clemson. They're really good, all four of them. Penn State's eight and zero. Baylor is seven and zero. SMU is 8-0, and then there's Minnesota at 8-0. Appalachian State's also undefeated at 7-0. But you are one of the few still unbeaten and ranked 17, but the new rankings are going to come out here shortly, and I would imagine you're going to move up. What's ahead for this team? I mean, if you look, let's concentrate on the Big Ten. If you look at the standings in the Big Ten, you're right there. But as for your upcoming schedule, Penn State, Iowa, Northwestern, Wisconsin – Three of those four are no picnics. Yeah, this is. I mean, this is like the real test now. Like the, this has been an appetizer. And and hey, look, nationally, I think it's. I think it's fine. Um, that, you know, people have talked about the schedule. The Gophers' schedule has not been great. I think it's eighty six strength of schedule. It's really nothing to their doing. They they, they you know the Big right. Ten schedule is favorable. It really is. I mean, there's no denying that uh, they don't play Ohio State. They don't play Michigan. They don't play Michigan State. Although Michigan State's just okay. Um, you know, it, it, uh, you know, that, that matters. Crossover games matter. This happens to be a favorable year. So they got Rutgers and Maryland in the crossovers. And, you know, I mean, that, that's a, that's a, that's a break. They'll take it. I mean, you're not going to turn that down. And, um, you know, Illinois has played much better of late. The Gophers handled them pretty well up here. Uh, you know, Purdue has had injury issues big time. Nebraska is not as far along as a lot of people thought. So, with that as context, now you look, and there's no doubt the meat of the schedule happens now in November. Um, in fact, it's 8-0 Minnesota and 8-0 Penn State in two weeks. Both those teams are on a bye week now. This week they don't have a game coming up. And on November 9th, and you know, uh, uh, two weeks from yesterday, that, that will be a huge game. Probably the biggest game uh, in Minnesota football history since, well, for sure since like 2003 when Glenn Mason had an undefeated team and Michigan came to town and Michigan beat them. And that, that kind of put the Gophers um, into a bit of a tailspin. I think that team was was six and zero as well. Um, and and I go, if, 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 real diehards remember the Gophers had a big lead that night at the Metrodome in the old Metrodome. It was a Friday night game. They had to switch it to Friday because the Twins were in the postseason. 
had a huge lead. They blew the lead. And, and honestly, uh, people kind of point to that as, as a crossroads mark, that, that they never could get back over the hump. They, they were right on the cusp of maybe a Rose Bowl, and, and that, that, that really left a mark, so to speak. So this will be the biggest game since then. Then they go to Iowa City. That, um, as you said, will be no picnic. Um, I would have guessed in August, if you'd asked me, I'd have said that'd be the toughest game on the schedule. Uh, Iowa is good, but not great. Their offense has really struggled, so we'll see what Minnesota has there. Northwestern can't score points. Um, that That's a game that, you know, if, if you really are good, you should win if you're Minnesota. And then home against Wisconsin, and that Wisconsin team can, you know, they, they know what they're doing. I know they took one on the chin, but Ohio State is, is like an NFL team right now. So uh, yesterday, Wisconsin lost it. So, yeah, this is, you know, they, they could be underdogs in three of the next four, and uh, we'll see where, uh, where that takes them. They have a two-game cushion in the Big Ten West, and, um, you know, they might need all of that cushion and then some. Yeah, you're very fortunate you're not playing Indiana, I got to tell you. <laughs> bowl eligible. Bowl eligible. How about Hoosiers my Hoosiers? are in a bowl game. How about my Hoosiers beating Nebraska? Not the Nebraska that we grew up with, but still, beating Nebraska was pretty cool. Uh, the, the, the Big Ten schedule, I, I wanted to ask you for all of our Illini listeners right now, as we spend the last few minutes here with Mike Grimm, the voice of the Gophers, what do you think of the Illini? I mean, they have done what Lovey Smith said they were going to do. He felt like they were on the verge of a breakthrough, and they have done that. They beat Wisconsin, and they just routed Purdue. And looking ahead, yeah. they have some winnable games on their schedule. Yeah, they can get to a bowl now. I didn't think they would. Um, I thought they're still probably a year away. Um, and and they're, they, they go, they're going through some of what the Gophers have gone through and that you try to build momentum, and it's hard, right? It's, in, in today's world, um, you know, I don't know what it is. I was just talking with, a, with another coworker about this this morning through text messaging that um, even as Minnesota sits here at 8-0, um, there's still people in the world trying to be negative about it. Like the schedule yeah. stinks. They couldn't sell the game out. They can't do this. And, you know, nothing happens overnight. And I think the fighting line are going through some of that stuff. You know, people um, want to be negative. And so stuff isn't happening as quickly as you want. And, you know, you and I uh, remember Lovey Smith from his time with Mike Martz. And I, I'm not sure there's been a nicer, uh, more cooperative, polite, smart, football coach that we've ever dealt with, you know, as, as Lovey uh, when we dealt with him when he was with the Rams. And so I'm, I'm pulling for him. And, and that win against Wisconsin, like I said with the Gophers last year, when they beat Purdue, sometimes that's, that might be all it takes. When you have some young talent, all they need is that little bit of belief. And that's what's happened with Fleck a little bit, is that all of a sudden you win a few games and players who might be skeptical of all this craziness and zaniness of the head coach, it's like, oh, Maybe he does know what he's talking about. Maybe we should listen. And the next thing you know, you've won 10 straight. And so hopefully for the fighting line, and maybe that win with Wisconsin, now you know they dominate Purdue yesterday, maybe that is what it takes. Um, and, and hopefully people can – look, I get it. When you're a fan, it gets frustrating. And, you, you know, like at Minnesota, hey, we've waited – you know, the Gophers haven't won a Big Ten title since 67. So when a new coach comes in and says, be patient, the fans are like, what are you talking about? Be patient. It's been, you know, 100 years since we've done anything. Um, my, my argument is always like, well, even like the fighting line, hey, uh, you know what, if it's been 20 years since you've done, yeah, I, I guess that team went to a Rose Bowl in 07, so it hasn't been that long. Um, it, it's okay. Let the process play out and see where it is. But um, they're probably going to go to a bowl game. And then that young group uh, gets a little uh, another uh, off season under its belt. You add another recruiting class. They've done nice with going to get some transfers that have, that have mattered. And, um, you know, and let's face it, the Big Ten West is there. I mean, that, that's an opportunity for teams like Minnesota and Illinois to, to, to uh, you know, Nebraska isn't what it has been. 
We'll see where Wisconsin and Iowa are. Northwestern won it last year. So th- there's there's opportunity there for teams like Minnesota in the fighting line, I no doubt. Minnesota comes off to me as a tough team, man. And the, the reason I say that is I've watched them a little bit as much as I can, but they run the football. And uh, you know I love that. They, they rumbled for 321 yards against Maryland, but they ran it 52 times. I mean, that is a team that's not yeah, afraid to run the ball. They have six offensive linemen that are really good um, and they play, they rotate guys in and actually they, for the first time that I can remember in a while, they actually, I, I don't recall this and maybe it's, I'm just getting old, but they ran yesterday against Maryland, many plays, several series where they ran six offensive linemen. Uh, they feel good about it. Right. And in fact, they had some plays, Tom, where they, they ran six offensive linemen. So they had, they, they had two tackles on one side, plus a tight end on that side. Who's, who's like an offensive lineman. They sent their quarterback wide out um, and ran a, a, a wildcat look with a 240-pound wide receiver, their big guy, uh, a kid named Seth Green, who runs the wildcat. He was a high school quarterback, so he can throw it, and they've thrown out of the situation, but usually it's a run. And so they line up six offensive linemen, a big tight end that's 270, and a, and a, and a wildcat quarterback who's 240. So, yeah, they, they, uh, they had some success with that. It scored an 11-yard touchdown, and they, they converted on some key third downs. And we haven't seen quite that kind of a package yet. So that, that was pretty fun to watch. And they do have, they have a right tackle that's 400 pounds. He's a kid from Australia who was a rugby player. And he's really playing like his fourth year of football. I think pro scouts think he's got a chance because he's, he moves so well. And, and he's still learning, right, still learning the game. That um, there, there's a chance as a kid, he's just a sophomore. He could be a uh, you know a first round pick down the road, and and they're big up front, and 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 they're starting to play better each week. And that said, they have two receivers too that are that I think are probably NFL caliber receivers. And so when you factor the run game with those two guys and a quarterback that, that is uh, pretty efficient, uh, he's number two in the Big Ten in pass efficiency. And then a favorable schedule. All that works into the fact that, uh, uh, you know, they're sitting at 8-0 right now. Yeah, I'd be very, very careful underestimating Minnesota. That team strikes me as a team that's not afraid of anybody. They'll, they'll line up and play against anybody. One last thing for Mike Grimm uh, before we go. Quick thing here. Michigan just overwhelms Notre Dame last night. Ohio State, to me, is the best team in the country right now. But can Michigan... Uh, overtake them. It's still a few games away, but do you think that Michigan can hang with Ohio State and Ann Arbor on November 30th? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I'm, you know, in terms of what's good for the Big Ten, um, I I think, I I hope that that doesn't happen because I I think from the Big Mm -hmm. Ten standpoint, you want want a team in the playoffs to have a chance. Now, if Michigan would pull off the upset, um, now who goes to Indy? Um, and Penn State's going to play a factor too. Remember, they're eight and zero, and they're probably going to be ranked fifth or sixth in the country. And they come to Minnesota in a couple of weeks. If they get that win, they're in, they're in business. They've already beaten Michigan, and and uh, then that Ohio State game becomes huge. That, that might be the you know a de facto game to get into Indianapolis, regardless of the outcome of Michigan and Ohio State. But um, I don't. I mean, Michigan. I um, watched that Michigan Wisconsin game in September, and Michigan looked terrible. I'm, I, I remember joking with some friends like man, maybe this wasn't the year that the Gophers wanted Michigan off the schedule. Man, have they ever picked it up since? You know, they, they have been pretty good. They had a chance to beat Ohio State last week. Um, but I, I think this, uh, whatever happens, I think the Big Ten from a, from a reputation standpoint, you got to get a team into the playoffs. So they haven't had one for two years. Um, some of it's scheduling. Some of it's just quirkiness. Um, I think they probably had, certainly two years ago, I think they had one of the best four teams in the country, but because of records and quirkiness of schedules, they didn't get one in. So 
um, whatever to me, whatever is best for the Big Ten to get a team into the postseason playoffs is 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 what we should be pulling for. If you're a pro Big Ten guy, and as terms of, in terms of the SEC, Alabama will play LSU on November 9th in a showdown of unbeaten teams. Both of those teams are idle, but also. Two unbeatens, idle going into next week, and that would be November 9th. Minnesota hosting Penn State. Time to be determined. I don't see a time in that game just yet, but we can't wait for it. Mike Grimm will be calling it on radio. I highly suggest you listen to him. It's great to have you on KMOX as always, my friend. You got it. Thank you. I'm going to stay in touch, buddy. Absolutely. Mike Grimm with us. When we come back, we're going to check in with the St. Louis Blues. Coach Craig Berube will hear what he had to say about a 3-0 loss to Boston and looking ahead to today's game against the Red Wings at 4 o'clock. I'm Tom Ackerman. Back in a moment. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. Welcome back to the Munkadass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munkadass pre-owned on South Limburg on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. Tom Ackerman with you. And let's go to Boston. This is the club, the uh, Blues dressing room after a loss to the Bruins, 3 to nothing. Coach Craig Berube addressing the media. Craig, you knew it was going to be a pretty tight-checking game out there tonight. So what did this one boil down to you? Yeah, exactly that. I mean, uh, they got that power play goal, and then um, they, get, they ended up getting another one. We had looks. You know, we didn't capitalize on them, and... There just wasn't many looks either way. I mean, it was just tight, tight hockey all around. So overall, were you pretty glad with the way you played? Well, I mean, we could play better, uh, you know, but I didn't like our, you know, our second period was uh, not, not, not very good. Like I don't know, just a little bit sloppy with the puck and stuff. But I thought we had a good first period, and I thought we had a good third period. That's what Sunquist was mentioning as far as you know, sloppy with the puck. Was it more neutral zone, offensive neutral zone? Neutral zone stuff more. And, you know, just in the offensive zone, I didn't think that we gained, we um, we have had enough possession time down there. You know, it's it was uh, you know it was a pretty heavy game, and they did a good job of getting numbers on the puck in, in uh, their D zone, and uh, we didn't we didn't keep the puck enough there. You had the one power play there in the second period where you had so much zone time, and to not come away with anything there, was that kind of a chance? To well, make yeah. Some they, in the you know, game? the power play had some good looks tonight and didn't capitalize. You know, it'd be nice. You know, it would have been probably a different game if uh, they did. So. The last couple of games, the second period's been better, but that is that it's been kind of the trouble period for you this at season. Times it can be, yeah. Uh, this year, at times, it's been you know a tough period. You know, make uh, make out without Tarasenko being out there. You tried Sunquist. You tried a few guys. Just what do you think about filling that hole tonight? Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like Sonny uh, played there most of the game, and they had some opportunities. Uh, you know, but they were fine. Like I said, it was a tight checking game. We got down two nothing in the third, and I started moving guys around a little bit, looking for some offense. So, okay, thanks. That's Craig Berube. Last time he was in that room, he was celebrating a Stanley Cup, and before the game, he told his players, we're going to take home the bleeping cup here tonight. Uh, So what a moment, I'm sure, for the players to be in there again, but not a good result as they lose it 3 to nothing to the Bruins. And now we'll play the Detroit Red Wings. That's a 4 o'clock face-off today at Little Caesars Arena in Detroit. Let's hear from Justin Falk, the uh, talented defenseman for the Blues. Visiting with the media here after the loss to the Bruins. Justin, was it a game where, you know, it wasn't, you can't say it was the worst by any stretch, but I mean, was it just one of those where just offensive chances were, were really tough to come by for you guys tonight? Or? Uh, yeah, I mean, we didn't, 
we didn't necessarily play that well in the second period. I don't think we we made their their transition game pretty easy. Um, didn't get enough uh, ozone time out of that, and uh, I don't know. We had we had power plays, and, and they won the special teams battle. You look at box score at every game or at the end of games, and whoever wins a special team battle more times than not is going to come out on top. But um, it was just tough. We we didn't. Uh, I don't think we played well enough there in the second to, to kind of keep momentum. The first wasn't too bad, but second yeah. was tough for us. You had the one power play where it seemed like you had so much sustained zone time, but just were having trouble getting pucks at the net. Is, it, is that one of those that was mm-hmm. kind of frustrating too? Was, uh, I, I mean, yeah, well, that was a long one. We, were, we probably had him in the zone there for about a minute 50. Uh, I mean, it, it's going to happen like that, and, and you take the momentum. I think there's, there's good that can come from having chances and keeping zone time and, and not breaking the puck out every time even if you don't score you can kind of kind of build off that and try and get a game obviously we were in the position where it would have been nice to score and, and, and kind of get one back there but um, that's just something that uh, we need to be better at too their power play has been so effective what what makes it so dangerous they're all in sync I don't know I think all five guys that are out there are, are uh, clicking on the same page it's and they're not not doing the same thing every time they're pretty random and uh, they seem to be be uh, moving the puck pretty well, and uh, they've been doing that for a while. And uh, obviously, all last year their their power play is pretty good, and it looks like it has been this year. So um, they're doing something right, I guess. That is Blues defenseman Justin Falk after a three nothing loss to the Bruins in Boston. The Blues are in Detroit for a game against the Red Wings today at four o'clock tonight on KMOX. We will have the Packers and the Chiefs. Big football game on a Sunday night that we'll have right here. Patrick Mahomes is out for this game. He has a knee injury. Aaron Rodgers has been on fire for the Packers. And the NFC North leading team will take on Kansas City today. That game is at Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City, where I'm sure they are already tailgating and enjoying life and grilling and eating barbecue and drinking lots of beer. Also, we have some news in the NFL and that Drew Brees is back. The star quarterback of the Saints has missed five games with a right thumb injury that required surgery, but he's back. And New Orleans, by the way, won all five games without him. Teddy Bridgewater was the starter. I think the Saints might be the best team in the NFL. I really do. If they, they're going to play like that without Breeze, look out when he comes back. The Saints are playing Arizona, and the number one overall pick, Kyler Murray, the quarterback for Arizona, he's good. And the Saints are going to host him today. Matt Ryan has a sprained right ankle for the Falcons. His streak of 154 consecutive regular season starts is coming to an end. What a huge number that is. 154 straight starts in the regular season for Matt Ryan. Sprained right ankle is going to keep him out. Matt Schaub is starting for the Falcons. They've lost five in a row, and they host Seattle today. San Francisco is going for its first 7-0 start since 1990. They will play today, and New England is the league's only other unbeaten team at 7-0. The Patriots are at home against Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns. Thanks to producer James O'Sullivan and all of our guests. I'm Tom Ackerman. This has been Sports on a Sunday Morning on KMOX. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? 
Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 